Welcome to this week's Mind, Body and Relationship Maze. Have you ever felt you've been in a persistent low mood? Maybe you haven't felt like you wanted to do anything, you didn't really want to talk to people. Have you ever felt that you were depressed? Today, we're going to be talking about how to work with depression. So stay tuned for today's podcast. If you want to find out more about how you can find and create the relationship that you deserve, go over to therelationshipmaze.com where we have lots of free articles and our online course, The Relationship Maze, to help you improve your relationships. Hi, my name is Tom Mackay. And I'm Angela Dirks. And today we're going to be talking about depression or more specifically how you can work with depression. Yeah, so depression is one of the most common presentations that we work with in the world of therapy. So most of or lots of clients who come through the door who seek help from counseling um, experience depression. And depression generally is one of the most common mental health conditions. So the statistics are something like between 4 and 10% of the population in the UK would have, ex- would have had an experience of depression at some point in their lifetime. Now, what do we mean by depression? There are lots of different definitions. Uh, what do you understand depression to be? How do you define it clinically, Tom? Do you want to start with that? Well, yeah, uh, I suppose depression is often characterised by a persistent low mood, uh, low motivation, loss of interest in activities that are normally seen as pleasurable by the person. Uh, it could, the symptoms may vary in their intensity. Um, often people will have insomnia or actually the reverse. Sometimes people uh, don't want to get out of bed or they want to stay asleep. Uh, they might have morbid thoughts, feelings of hopelessness, um, decreased energy, um, feelings of guilt, not being able to concentrate. Uh, There are so many different definitions of depression. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there are obviously some uh, tests that are are done. For example, in England, the NHS has got the PHQ-9 test, where you are asked a a number of, I think, about 10 items which are related to mood, to to sleep, to uh, eating as well. So if you over or under eat, that might be an indication that you're depressed as well. And if you if you ha- if you tick all these boxes and you have high levels uh, of indications that you are um, uh, in t- sorry, I'm not explaining this well. In terms of there's a scale of one to five. So if you are ticking five, so high levels of these symptoms, then you might be defined as depressed. But actually, defining depression is really in and of itself quite a difficult one. A difficult one because what is depression? That's the big question. There are lots of discussions around it and there are very different understandings of what depression might be. So some people say, for example, it's due to a, a chemical imbalance in the brain uh, and that's why GPs generally, if you go to a GP, they might explore the idea of therapy with you, but they might also prescribe an SSRI, for example, sertraline or citalopram, which are the most common Uh, medications for depression and they are working on increasing serotonin levels in the brain Um, and the idea is if uh, if you have serotonin in the in your system that will help to improve your mood sleep or emotions so so this is the one approach yeah the idea that there's a chemical imbalance in the brain and and depression can be addressed by taking medication this idea is to some extent, quite controversial, even in the world of psychiatry, the long and very heated debates about the fact whether medication really is the best response to treating depression. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose one of the things as well, actually, just when you're talking about sort of diagnosing depression with kind of uh, tests, you know, I think that that's some extent similar because, again, we all kind of rate things differently and some people may not rate things in the same way as others. And I think the most important thing is, is how you're feeling. But going on to a little bit more about the underlying causes of depression, well, we can look at therapy that, you know, th- there's very different understandings of the causes of depression in therapy as opposed to the medical model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and different types of depression as well, there may be slightly more kind of medical components. And the truth is, you know, when somebody is depressed, we may be able to measure different levels of neurotransmitters in the brain, like serotonin, that does happen. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is that the cause of depression or is it because the person is depressed that their serotonin balance changes? And I think it's things like bipolar depression where you know this this may be something that medication is is maybe more valid for some people for um you know we could say that some types of depression maybe we could see more of an underlying medical model with those mm-hmm. but what we're going to do is we're going to uh, summarize some of the main approaches and treatment of depression in sort of therapy so we're going to look at developmental issues which is more of a psychodynamic and humanistic approach or we could look as well at depression to do with faulty cognitive processing, which would look at more what's called a cognitive behavioural therapy model. Yeah, because it depends very much on how you conceptualise depression, right? So if you think of depression as a, as a, a symptom rather than a cause in itself. So if that's the approach, if you think that depression is a response to adverse experiences, so it's a symptom of experiences, then that's the kind of approach that's very frequently taken when you're working with a a psychodynamic approach, where the idea is that uh, depression is seen like a form of grief. So it's a form of grief for a relationship that never was, a relationship that uh, didn't really find, uh, not a satisfying relationship that you had in your childhood, for example. So rather than expressing frustrations, for example, People with depression are often uh, seen to uh, turn their sadness and their anger um, inward. So depression is something that's kind of it's something that you take in. So rather than expressing how you feel, you sort of take it in. You suffer inside, so to speak. So instead of airing grievances that were, you know, for example, instead of uh, airing expressions like I'm feeling worthless, I'm not lovable, I'm not a good person. You sort of swallow it, take it in, um, and don't find and don't and don't find expression of this feeling. So, um, in terms of we're looking at depression as a childhood experiences. Um, so very often, um, as a child, somebody who uh, has frequent and long and persistent depressive episodes, or who never quite shakes off the depression they would have learned that their parents care was inconsistent and not really available that um, they weren't lovable somehow they weren't accepted by their parents and um, they didn't uh, they didn't learn to see themselves as valuable as having self-worth for example so there's this sort of persistent sense of I'm not really a good person I have you know so you have you carry all these negative feelings about yourself around and you suppress them they're there, but you don't even quite know what they are. So if you never uh, had enough love, so to speak, in your childhood, then you might have learned that uh, you're not quite good enough, however hard you try. 
So in a more psychodynamic model, and I'm really hugely, hugely simplifying here because this is complex. Um, this is kind of roughly the understanding um, that uh, a therapist would, uh, would have of depression. So it's looking at relationships. What did you learn? What did you sort of think about? Uh, how, did you, how do you think about yourself in, in relation to other people? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, going along with that as well, I've seen with a lot of people, you know, sometimes that internalised anger, when it gets turned in, you have a depression, but you may also get other symptoms where somebody may self-harm as well, where that anger yeah. is turned against them. But that anger, they can't express it outside, so they kind mm-hmm. of express it to themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, sometimes we we see these sort of symptoms. Uh, and, and if, you know, if you do have any of these sort of, uh, if you do have any of these symptoms, it's really important to go and seek help and talk to somebody to talk to your GP, um, find counselling, find therapy mm. uh, to help with this, because you can work through these things. It's not something that you have to keep living with. Yeah, and in particular, I think where the psychodynamic perspective is very helpful is because it's all about relationships. And if you are depressed, you frequently, people who uh, experience depression frequently struggle with having healthy relationships, good relationships, because they have such such low self-worth, con- such low concept of themselves. Um, so that's something that you can, can that you can work through. Is that really true? Yeah, and challenge that. Yeah, and also knowing that actually, you know, if if you're feeling symptoms of depression, th- there's that's that's okay. It's, there's nothing to be ashamed about because I've worked with people as well who haven't sought help for years because yeah. they felt ashamed that yes. they've got depression. They're ashamed this way, or or some people just don't feel they want to reach out because they're feeling so depressed. They just just shut themselves away and I think you know the sooner that you kind of find out the better really it's one of these things as well is that mm. the longer a pattern is in place often you know or of a way of being is in place sometimes the more it get, becomes kind of normalized in our neurological processes so I think it's always That's important really. the sooner that we find help the better mm. um yeah. yeah and shame so actually shame and guilt are also very often factors that contribute to feeling depressed so if you carry a lot of shame around if you feel there's something that's not okay about you something that doesn't feel right about you that in itself can also lead to depression and of course actually talking about depressions also within the context of relationships so if one or both partners are depressed that's going to have a fundamental impact on their relationship and it's really really important to seek some help with that because it's very undermining it's also very hard to be in a relationship with a partner who is chronically depressed or who experiences long-term uh, depression so it's it's quite difficult to get out of that and it might actually require some help yeah and sometimes I've, I've seen people in relationships as well they get involved somebody who is depressed and they take this role of the kind of rescuer yeah. and at first that seems like oh, I really want to rescue this person I love them but over time that can become a real burden and you know what frequently when relationship doesn't end up working the person who's depressed uh, ends up more depressed and it, it goes into this mm-hmm. pattern like a self-fulfilling prophecy that when we're in this past and this comes into the cognitive behavioral therapy model as well mm. we've talked about self-fulfilling prophecies where mm. you have a behavior that has an effect on someone else mm. which increases the way we see ourselves as maybe being unlovable or whatever it is and we feel more depressed and i think in in terms of developmental models um just moving on from psychodynamic models as well depression you know, i've worked with a lot of people who think depression is genetic yeah. uh, and i think one of the things with that is that 
you know, is it genetic or not? Well, the, the challenge is nature or nurture. And I think from most of the work that um, most therapists that I know are doing, most people tend to believe that it is more nurture. Mm. Because if we observe our parents being depressed, we start to internalise those sort of schema or they give us messages about, you know, things, life is tough, life is difficult, um, you know, all these different things that we internalise and then we start to feel depressed. And there was this story which I remember mm. a friend of mine in, in America sent me from, some psychology magazine where somebody went to a psychiatrist or a psychologist um, and basically was every time they go there the psychologist would ask them so how are you today and the person would respond being British things like mustn't grumble not so bad okay Mm -hmm. yeah well you know life's tough all these different Mm -hmm. things and uh, after a while of working with them the psychologist wrote down in their notes um, I diagnose this person as being clinically British because <laughs> we often tend to think of that British stiff upper lip where we don't express yes. emotions, where we, mm. you have these phrases. And these phrases do have an effect. How we talk to ourselves, and that's what mm. we're going to come on to with CBT, will mm. affect how we feel. If I'm constantly saying, mustn't grumble, well, you know, life's tough, you have to go on with it, that affects how you feel. You know, what we say to ourselves does have an effect on how we're feeling. You know, if I, if in, in your mind now, if you say, well, you know, if somebody asks you, how are you feeling? And I'm saying, well, mustn't grumble. Notice how that feels as opposed to, actually, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good today. How are you feeling? It's very different. The way we speak to ourselves has an effect. And in CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy, we explore the thought processes. So that's sort of things like how you talk to yourself, the images you make in your mind, all of those thoughts and the feelings. So the feelings that, you know, maybe the emotions, how you're feeling and behaviours, and we see them as being interlinked. So it's Mm -hmm. a system. So each one affects the other. So what you say to yourself will affect your feelings. So, for example, if I say, well, you know, nobody likes me, that's maybe going to make me feel sad, and that will have an effect on my behaviour. If I feel sad, then I might think, well, I, I just don't want to do anything. So I just feel kind of sluggish. You don't do anything, which then has an effect on your feelings. I feel even lower. And then my thoughts. So as in my thoughts, I feel, well, actually, nobody wants to speak to me. And we, we end up in a cycle where we start to feel worse and worse. Yeah. And what you find often talking about these kind of thought patterns is that depressed people, people who suffer with depression, they often have a very negative, they often look for actively look, look for negative clues um, that... Uh, feed into their particular interpretation of the world. So this sort of example is the one where, you know, you see someone across the road, you wave at them, they don't respond. Yeah. So how do you interpret this particular, uh, how do you interpret the, the, uh, the behavior from the other person that they're not waving back at you? If you, are, if you have a healthy uh, uh, sense of yourself, you might interpret this as well. They might not have seen me or something like that. If you're very depressed, you would automatically think, oh, this is, uh, this is typical, nobody likes me, they've looked at me, they ignored me, they don't like me as a person. Yeah? Uh, rather than kind of coming up with some other interpretation. Also, the other person on the other side of the road might be short-sighted, so they might not have seen you. But that's not an interpretation that somebody who struggles with depression would come to automatically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the main founders of CBT, so Beck, 
Um, I think he talked about three different levels of different, different ways we can explore beliefs in terms of beliefs about self, beliefs about others, and beliefs about the world. So again, a belief about myself would be, well, nobody, I'm unlovable, so nobody's going to say hello to me. Beliefs about the other person would be, you know, all people are miserable, miserable, they're not worth talking to, they're mean, so we don't speak to people because we're kind of concerned about how they might be or what they might think about us. Or beliefs about the world in terms of the world's just a tough place. Mm-hmm. Or if it's very different from thinking, you know, the world's a good place. Or beliefs about other people in terms of, you know, people are basically good, uh, but may have learned behaviours that sometimes come across as being mean, or maybe kind of, maybe they don't speak to us because um, they're nervous about speaking to us. So we, the way that we frame these things in our mind has a very different effect on how we're feeling. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that's what uh, CBT is very interested in, in this kind of triangle of... Um, Interaction between emotion, feelings and behaviours. So you have a particular emotion that impacts on your thinking and that impacts on your behaviour. And we want to break that cycle, basically. That's one of the ways that uh, CBT would work with depression is kind of changing that. Start having a starting point somewhere. Um, starting with behaviour, for example. Yeah, I, um, yeah. so let's talk about that now. Let's mm-hmm. Think about it. Maybe doing all of those at the end, but let's do that now. So, that's, yeah. uh, so behaviors, it would be, um, you know, I, and I think actually with depression, behaviors can make a real difference because how you move your body, how you even stand, how you sit has a huge impact on how you feel. You know, right now, if you were to slump forwards, uh, drop down, like what, you know, if, like if you're feeling low, your body slump, your shoulders slump forwards, you're breathing shallow, uh, you're looking down at the ground. Notice how you feel. You probably feel very different. If you try and feel really positive in that physiology, it becomes different. Whereas if you suddenly stand up, you look up towards the ceiling, you put your shoulders back, you breathe strongly, powerfully, expanding your chest, you know, just smile, put a smile on your face. And then if you try and get worried or anxious, it's much more difficult. Your physiology is very much linked to how you feel and your behavior. And one of the things that we can do as well is to help break this cycle, because we see that behaviors, emotions and thoughts are all interlinked, is to think about, well, what are your behaviors at the moment? What are you doing at the moment on an average day? Um, the days when you're feeling better, and in CBT, you might get a person to rate their feelings over the day. The days that you're feeling better, noticing what you're doing on those days, and often there's a link. We notice, you know, what do you do on those days when you're feeling better, and do more of those things. So I always recommend, you know, right now, if you're feeling in a stuck mood, one of the best things that you can do is start to do something, like go for a walk in the park. Go, if you can, you know, if, if you're able to exercise, go for a run, you know, go to the gym, do something active. Um, but do something for yourself, not for somebody else, doing something for yourself, you know, look after yourself. Yeah, because what happens uh, with depression, depression is a kind of, if we're looking at the fight, flight, freeze response, uh, depression is a form of freezing. You kind of you're feeling threatened. It's uh, you're responding to a perceived threat, uh, and the best way to respond to it is by just basically by playing dead. Um, and what we want to do, therefore, with depression is to make sure that who, that the depressed person gets mobilized, that they get out of this stuck cycle, that they move, that they're active, that they're actually doing something. And as Tom said, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah, it could be just a tiny little thing that you do. But something that shifts you out of this position where you feel like you can't move anymore. That in itself will kind of get you going slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, and when you're moving, um, which probably isn't quite 
linked totally to CBT, but some of the neurological processes are going to be different. You know, we do move our bodies when we're in different emotional states. So getting into the way of moving when you're feeling better it changes our kind of neurological function. We start to think differently. We're open to different ways of thinking. Mm. Some yeah. people call it the faking it sort of uh, approach, isn't it? If you sort of fake it often enough, it's almost like if you fake smiling, for example, or if you fake dancing, or if you fake feeling a little bit better, that, if you fake it often enough, it might almost rub off. Yeah, I think the important thing with faking it is you, as well as just faking it, you have to pretend that you believe it. Because a lot yes. of people fake things, but just think, well, actually, I'm miserable anyway, but I'm going to keep doing this. You have to kind of pretend that you're feeling different. That's why things like affirmations don't work for lots of people. Mm. Is you say to yourself, affirmations are where you kind of say positive messages to yourself. You know, for example, when you get up, like, I'm happy, I'm okay. But if you just look in the mirror and you're kind of, your face is turned down, your mouth's turned down, and you say, I'm happy, it doesn't have the effect. You have to kind of you know, actually smile and say, I'm happy, yes. and get moving. Mm. Pretending you believe it is really an important part. I think that does make a difference. Mm. Absolutely. Good, yeah. So we talked a bit about psychodynamic approaches to working with depression, which is really sort of looking at depression as a... As a symptom rather than a cause, whereas CBT works more with the symptom, yeah, so how to fix the symptom, so to speak, how to kind of manage that. Well, there are many other approaches, of course, um, humanistic approaches, which are more concerned with sort of seeing uh, depression as something that gets in the way of our growth or personal development, something that gets in the way of what uh, uh, of self actualization of reaching this goal where we feel fully uh, one with ourselves and you know and comfortable within ourselves so to speak where we have actualized all of our potential so from a sort of humanistic perspective and again they're they're broad uh, this is a very broad term there are many different ways of working with depression the focus would be very much on kind of being kind, yeah? being empathic, having understanding for what it might feel like for someone to be in this absolutely terrible and debilitating state of mind, um, to, have, uh, to have understanding, to have positive regard of this person, uh, and to kind of yeah, exp encourage them to explore it and see what it's like and see what might be helpful to move forward in this particular situation. Because depression is really, really quite uh, terrifying for lots of people. It's a terrible condition to be in. So I think what's, what's important in working with depression, all of these approaches <clears throat> have something to offer. Um, and it's important to look at the causes, you know, what actually contributes to this symptom, um, what can we do about the symptom, uh, so how can we manage this a bit more effectively, and kind of looking at, you know, how um, and how are you, what is it like in the present moment to be in this day, to kind of also give some space. Because a lot of the time, for someone who's depressed, they find it very difficult to talk about it. They kind of can't bear talking about it a lot of the time. Because let's face it, it's not a nice thing to talk about, is it, to talk about your low moods, etc. Um, and it's very um, encouraging to have someone there who can, who can take it in, so to speak, who can kind of be by your side. Uh, in your experience. Yeah, and, and really importantly with a humanistic approach as well, it's being validated. So when somebody is listening to you in a non-judgmental way, you may never have experienced that when you were younger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were never kind of felt it was okay to express how I feel. We were never made to feel our own self-worth. And when you're in that context where you're, it's totally non-judgmental, where you're able to talk, feel accepted, we're kind of rebuilding that 
that relationship we never had, where we're building that way of seeing ourselves, of building our self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, really importantly, right now, you know, the first thing to know is that um, whatever you thought in the past, it's, it's important to know that it's, you need to look after yourself. You need to realise that, you know, your feelings are totally as valid as anybody else's. How you're feeling is important mm-hmm. and that it's okay. It's like, you know, every, all these ways of feeling are fine, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can change, but it can take time and it's mm-hmm. finding the right approach. But most, you know, knowing that you you are as good as anybody else that you'll ever meet. You're, you know, you are as worthy as respect as anybody else that's out there. Uh, and it's about caring for yourself as well as caring for other people. Yes. So there's a sort of hopeful message here, I think, um, because, I mean, I'm very much uh, a believer that depression is something that's not biological, but something that you that is more to do with nurture and that can be addressed. Because if you believe that also, then there's the potential for change. Uh, so if it's not something that's biological, if you're not born, if you're not uh, depressed, if you're not genetically depressed, there is the potential that you can actually work at it, that there's something that can be done. And it might, sound, it might seem almost impossible to do so, but because depression, of course, comes with a huge sense of hopelessness and helplessness, But um, but I'd like to challenge that. There are actually ways of addressing it and there are ways out of the depression. Bit by step by step. It's, it might be a very slow process, but step by step you can actually get out of it. And also just as a reminder that for the majority of people, depress, uh, depressive episodes are not that long term. They're intermittent. So there are periods in between where things get a bit better before they got before they get worse again but there are periods where where you feel better and we can kind of work with that and and lengthen these periods so to speak uh, until uh, you find different tools to manage the depression and also until you find a different understanding of yourself as a person as tom said and more self-acceptance Yeah, absolutely. And above all, seek help. Well, you can look on the internet, you can buy books, you may be able to help yourself to some extent. Um, but also, you know, go and speak to somebody, go and speak to a therapist, find something, somebody that can help you because you can make a change, you can make a difference. And I think above all, if you can take one message away from today's podcast, I'd hope that message would be hope, that there is some sort of hope that you can have, that, that you can change, even if it feels like, well, especially when you're in a depressed state, it may feel like things are never going to change, but there is hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can work with it. Yeah. yeah. And so thanks for listening to today's podcast. Please, um, please like this podcast. Please kind of give it a good review if you can. Um, subscribe and we hope you tune in to next week's podcast. Yeah, very much looking forward to 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 see well we're not seeing you i was just going to say looking forward to seeing you then we're not seeing you but anyway to being in touch with you yeah so we'll, we'll be talking with you on the next podcast um so again thanks for tuning in and uh bye for now bye i hope you enjoyed this week's podcast if you'd like to find out more about creating great relationships go to therelationshipmaze.com and i look forward to seeing you there and remember to tune in to the next podcast